Um, So Luke chapter 1, from verse 57 to the end. Luke chapter 1, verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbours were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wonderful, everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Chris. I knew I was going to get totally tangled up. There we go. Uh, good, good morning, everybody. Um, nice to be with you this morning. Good morning, everybody who's watching at la- online as well. Um, please do keep your Bibles open at uh, page 1026 as we um, look at this together. Um, but as we do, let's take a moment to pray, shall we? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active. And uh, we know we need your word. And we pray that your spirit would take it now and plant it deep in our hearts, that it might affect our wills and our minds. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It's true, isn't it, that few moments in in life are quite like 
the drama that surrounds the birth of a baby. Uh, Months of waiting are suddenly uh, over, and hopes and dreams are turning into reality. Um, We know that these moments turn into a moments for a community as well. Um, suddenly, people drop round and knock on your door. They bring gifts, cards. Uh, they bring meals. They bring bath bombs. I've never quite understood what a bath bomb is, but these are the sort of things that happen, isn't it, when there's a community. Um, then there's the relatives. They come round as well, usually a few days later, and uh, all having well-meaning advice for us. Uh, and these moments are, are not so different from those of Elizabeth and Zachariah that they, that they experience. Of course, there were some unusual aspects to their story. Uh, they were also the most unlikely of parents as they were uh, old in age. And we recall that Zachariah had uh, been silent for nine months because of his unbelief at the angel's message. Yet there was a real buzz in the community, a real buzz in the community, chit-chatter down on the square in the cafes. People have been saying, have you heard the news about Elizabeth and Zachariah? Um, have you heard about Zachariah? He's been struck dumb. Where, when is he going to, to be speaking again? And I wonder what his first words are going to be. I wonder what you think they might be. You can imagine the kind of chit-chatter that was going on. Well, this morning we have, firstly, uh, the scene. The scene around the birth of, of John the Baptist. And then we have the song that follows it. So let's first um, look at the scene. And the scene comes in three parts. First of all, there's a discussion that goes on. Naming a child can be a tortuous thing. (laughs) I know when we're trying to name our children, it took us months to come up with names. And also, everyone seems to have an opinion as well, especially relatives. Relatives also want to contribute to that discussion. And so we find in verse 59, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. Now, it's worth us just asking, who are the they here? They were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. Well, it's actually, it's not Elizabeth and Zechariah. Um, It's actually the relatives, because it's Elizabeth whose response responds to this. And her response is very clear. She says, no, he is to be called John. And we might expect that that would be the end of the story, and uh, Elizabeth has spoken, and we move on. But not not the case. The discussion continues. Um, There's no one among your relatives who has that name. You can imagine the kind of tone that might have gone on within the family. Imagine their disappointment. So they turn to uh, silent Zachariah, and the discussion then leads to the decision. Verse 63, he asked for a writing tablet, an early type of iPad. 
And everyone, that's supposed to be a joke, but I didn't even get a, didn't even get a hint. But I know you're behind masks, so you know, I, I'll just pretend that there was a, a laugh there. So he asked for a writing tablet, an early type of iPad. Ah, oh, there we go. It's Christmas after all. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. It's not a, oh, let me think about that, or no, it's this or that, or could be this and that. No, it's emphatic, his name is John. What was it that made this elderly couple so united in their kind of clear commitment to the name? Well, the answer is, is because God had commanded it through the angel. John means Jehovah is gracious. God is gracious. A name of significance for a couple of, of, of reasons. Um, for the people of God, it was the sign of the forerunner of, of the Christ child who would bring grace and truth, the Christ child. And so the decision is made, and we move from the discussion, the decision, to finally the question in verse 66. Do you see it there? Everyone who heard this one wondered about it and asked, what then is this child going to be? It's true, isn't it, that every baby that is born is a, a bundle of possibilities. As you hold them in, in your arms uh, and you look at the child, you can't just help but ask, I wonder what they're going to be. I wonder what they're going to grow up to do. Are they going to be musical or, or, or spart- sporty? Are they going to be kind and compassionate? Are they going to be determined? Um, I wonder what kind of job they're going to get. I wonder if they'll ever be financially independent. <laughs> For those of a certain age will may know that. <laughs> Lots of thoughts go through the head as you look at this child and wonder. And we catch the answer to this question um, in, as we move from the scene to the song. And we'll come back to the song in a moment, but there's one other thing I want to, us to notice about Zechariah in verse 64. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was free and he began to speak, praising God. Notice the word here, Immediately. Immediately, it's a graphic word uh, with a sense of it being now and being straight away. It's not something that happened later in the evening or over a gradual period of time. It's, it's immediately. His name is John. Bang! He opens his mouth. It's that clear. It's it's, it's as if the. It's rather uh, reminiscent of the immediacy that happened when he uh, reacted to the angel in, with unbelief. How can this be? Bang, he's silent. He struck silent. It's a reversal of that as he obeys God's word. It's the same sense of immediacy that you see elsewhere in Luke's gospel. You see it in um, Luke 15 with the prodigal son. When the son turns to his father, um, the father sees it straight away. And what does it say there? It says, quick, 
He says, quick, immediately, bring a robe, put a ring on his finger, get the party started. The father is prepared immediately to respond to faith. Isn't that good news? Immediacy of God, the Father. He wants to respond. He's willing to respond immediately to us. And that's what we see here. So his voice returns and he speaks. And the first words out of his mouth are praise. I wonder if um, we'd been struck silent for nine months. What might have come out of our mouths first? Um, I know my own heart, I'd be like, oh, about time too, you know. That's just been an awful experience for me. Um, let me tell you about it. That angel, wait till I see him again. <laughs> and we'd maybe grumble about it. But not so here with Zechariah. His first instinct is to praise God because he's encountered God. And he's been changed through it. You see, what comes out of our mouths is an indication of what's going on in our hearts, isn't it? So Zechariah immediately praises God. And as a result, verse 65, look at what it says. All the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Isn't it amazing what God can do? It's amazing what God can do. Uh, Here, an elderly couple who wouldn't have been expecting to have a a, a child, seeking to be obedient to God. And I wonder whether we've ever asked ourselves what's going on with our neighbors. Notice it's all their neighbors were filled with awe. As we've been talking about uh, doorstep carols, you know, Have a go at that. See what God could do on our doorsteps. I wonder what my neighbors are filled with when they hear me speak. What are my work colleagues going to conclude when they listen to my conversations? Are they struck by awe or or, or wonder or thinking about what it is that we believe and trust in? What are the first words that come out of our mouth to make it possible for the people in the hill country of Blackheath hear about the dramatic, life-changing event of the Lord Jesus coming into this world. I find that, I find that very challenging for myself. All the neighbors were filled in awe. What about your neighbors? Now, we know next nothing about uh, John's childhood. Uh, we only have really the reference here in verse 80. Uh, he grew and became strong in spirit. He lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly. So there we have it. There's the scene. Um, there's a discussion, there's a decision, and there's a question. And we see the question answered to some extent in the song that Zachariah sings, the song. And the song really centers around two comings, if you like. And there are two verses uh, here in the song. So the first um, is that God has come to save. That's the first coming. He's come to save. He has come. 
And Zacharias starts with, with that adoration that we've already talked about there in verse 68. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, why, why praise him? He then answers, because he has come. He has come to his people and redeemed them. Redeem has a, a really specific uh, word and, and meaning to refer to the freeing of people by the paying of a ransom, by the paying of a ransom. And that would have been etched in uh, the memories and the minds of the Israelites as they remember the Exodus when God rescued them from slavery in Egypt. That was a redemption. And how is this redemption uh, going to be established? Well, it's by a saviour. He has raised up, verse 69, a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. This is the long-awaited Messiah, the Christ child. The horn is a symbol of strength in keeping with what he'd been said long ago through the prophets, through the Old Testament, what had been foretold that the Messiah, a Christ tribe, would come. And then we see in verse 71 and 74, um, talk about salvation from our enemies. Do you, do you see that there? And from the hand of all who hate us. Now it's worth us pausing for a moment to ask, well, who are the enemies here? It's because this is an interesting question, isn't it? Now, we do need to take care here as we think about this and we think about the song because we can be um, tempted to read it in, in a certain way. And, and yes, in a sense, we might think this is just all about um, uh, the getting rid of Romans who were the occupying force and uh, reestablishing the nation of Israel. And certainly there's something of that here, but it's more than that. It has a spiritual meaning as well, doesn't it? For this is about salvation and being saved from what? Well, verse 77 tells us to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Through the forgiveness of sins. You see, we... Here, um, we can see here why we might need to just be a bit careful uh, not to, to read this instinctively, perhaps in, in a political sense of thinking about who are our enemies and who, who, are, who are our haters. And we could spend time trying to work out who the enemies are. And of course, that, if you think about it, that's what the world often does, isn't it? We see that enacted around us all the time. You see it in those culture wars that, that go on in our society. There are the, those people over there, they're our enemies, and, and, and these people over here are our haters. And it so easily becomes a, a polarized thing, isn't it? We think those on the left, we think we look at this and we look at those on the left, read this as the enemies are, are the ones on the right, and the right view this as the enemies on the left, and the, you know how it is. The East views the, the, the West as the enemies and the West view the East as the enemies. And all that happens is that we start fighting each other, thinking they're the enemies, they're our haters. And we need to recall when we read something like this where it talks about enemies and haters that 
that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies, doesn't he? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So who is the real enemy here? Who is the real enemy? Well, it's about the the antagonism unleashed from hell against all those who claim the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You see, ultimately, our our enemies are are not flesh and blood. Uh, You you may recall that... that, um, uh, what Paul says in Ephesians 6, as he talks about the, the armor of God, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's where our real enemy lies. It is a cosmic battle that is going on. We are involved in a spiritual battle and we need to realize this the evil one is the real enemy and he comes to do what he comes to lie he comes to divide us he comes to cause strife between us he comes to bring fear and to gloom and mistrust to tempt us into thinking that we're not forgiven by Christ, tempted to abandon him. That's what the real enemy, the who the real enemy is. You see, when we're fearful, we tend to look around at the dark world around us. And when we're pessimistic, we look down at all the, the doom and gloom. But the Christian is to do what? The believer, if you're a Christian here this morning, is to look up. As verse 75 says, who enables us, looking to God, enables us to serve him without fear. Without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. How fearful are you right now? I I know that we are a bit fearful in our land right now, aren't we? We all feel a bit fearful. If uh, and if it gets as bad as some say it might do in the new year, and, and we don't know yet, where are we going to look? Who are we going to look um, to? We need to look up without fear. Look up to the Lord. As, as I'm reminded of Romans 8, and um, at, in Romans 8 towards the end, it says, what will separate us from the love of Christ? For those who are in Christ Jesus, what can separate us from his love? And of course, the, the answer is nothing. Um, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, or we could add in pandemic or isolation, whatever it might be, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. No. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He loves us. So we serve him without fear. I know there's a lot of fear. I sense a lot of fear. You probably sense a lot of fear. We only have to see it on the news. Do we look to the news 
Or do we look up? Do we look up without fear to the one who enables us to serve in holiness and in righteousness? Where are we going to look? And as we look up, as we do that, we look to the one who will come, who will come to save. We look for the rising sun. Uh, are there any Lord of the Rings fans here? There's, uh, there's a few. Uh, mainly on this side, I have to say. <laughs> no, no one likes Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry if this is a Lord of the Rings bore moment for you. Um, but I like Lord of the Rings, and I love The Two Towers, uh, which is the second film, if you've not seen it, it's well worth seeing. Um, whether, let me tell you about it. In, in it, the, the, the Rohirrim men... Um, are fighting Saruman's um, army at Helm's Deep. And it's going really badly. It looks lost. And um, Aragorn, who's the, one of the leaders who becomes the king, um, remembers the promise that Gandalf um, said to him sometime early. He said, Look to my coming at first light on the fifth day. At dawn, look to the east. And as the sun rises... He comes down the hill with this massive army and he wins the day and everyone lives happily ever after. Um, I just love that film. Looking to the east. He says, look to my coming. And, and that's what we have here in verse 77. We're called to look up. We're told to look to the coming of the Lord Jesus. To look to the dawn. And that's what John's message was to be. John's message was to to point, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was John's job, and that's what Zechariah is telling us about. He's going to do. Verse 77, look at it with me. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of our sins because of the tender mercy of our God. There's the love of God again. God is so tender, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. The picture here is a picture of a people who've lost their way. Um, It's been overtaken by night. They're stranded in utter darkness. They're lonely. There's no starlight around, utter gloom, utter darkness. It's quite hard for us to get a picture of that in, when we're so used to modern London, of what real darkness is like. Um, you know, you cannot see anything. It, it, it's utter darkness, and that's the picture that we have here. It's actually a moving picture because lethargy has set in. They're groping around. They cannot see where to go. It's an oppressive darkness. It's a darkness, it's despair, it's hopelessness. Isaiah 9, 2 describes it as the people living in darkness, living in the shadow of death, because darkness is akin to the shadow of death. And let's be real honest about that. There is a sense that that's what we've been living through to some extent, isn't it, over these last um, year. The shadow of death. Every day, if you watch the news, you get 
death figures, don't you? And it has an effect on us. Uh, the daily numbers, the doom and gloom, the great darkness. But our actual picture here is of something much deeper, of the darkness of our sin that ultimately leads to death if we're without Christ. But then here it talks about the rising sun will come. When you get that, if you've experienced darkness, you get that faint change, don't you, in the morning, where you, you, you get the, the, the dark and the blackness turns to, to a, a, a dark blue. And then you kind of get the metallic gray turns um, to a cobalt blue that turns to a, a royal blue. And then you get a pink rim on the horizon. You know those beautiful sunrises. And then the sun is up. Friends, the sun is coming up. That's good news, isn't it? It's wonderful news. It's a beautiful picture that we have here, given to us. The rising sun. And that's what John is pointing to. He's pointing to the Lord Jesus coming. As the light of the world is about to dawn. And what does Jesus say of himself? He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Never walk in darkness. But will have the light of life. If we turn to Jesus, we walk in the light. So as we, as we close, we have for a while been living with the shadow of death. Which of course ultimately is the result of sin. But when Jesus rises in our lives, when we, when we accept him and follow him, gone is the shadow of darkness. We pass from death to life. We pass from darkness to light, from despair to hope. And even more than that, he, he even guides our feet. He guides our steps into the way of peace. Shall I just, let's just take a moment to be quiet and I'll lead us in a prayer. Let's pray, shall we? As we think upon what we've heard, has the rising sun from on high filled your life? Do you have the knowledge of salvation? Is Christ your mighty horn of salvation? Are you assured of the forgiveness of sins? Have you been delivered from the shadow of death? Are you able to serve him without fear? Are your feet treading the path of peace? Father God, we come before you now and ask that you would help us to look up, to look to the dawn, to look to the rising of the sun, to look to your son, Jesus Christ, who has come to redeem, who will come again. The one who has died for our sins, 
Father, may we receive him today, maybe for the first time, or will you remind us and refresh us again with the truth of this good news, that we may turn to Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.